Hello and welcome to the 2023 Critical Care Congress edition of the Society of Critical Care Medicine podcast series. I'm your host, Dr. Ludwig Lin, and today I'm joined by Morje Hevner, PharmD, FCCM, to discuss how to change your job mid-career. Professor Hefner is Associate Professor and Vice Chair for Clinical Services at the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy in Baltimore. She is the coordinator for the Pharmacotherapy Residency Program, and her research interest is in delirium and sleep in the critically ill population. Oh yeah, she also finds time to practice as a clinical pharmacist in their medical ICU. I'd like to welcome Dr. Hefner and thank you for making the time because I think this is such an interesting topic for our membership. Before we start, do you have any disclosures to report? I have no disclosures relevant to this talk. I think I'd like to start broadly. What prompted you to want to speak on this topic? Well, I have to say when Judy Jacoby says jump, you say how far. So that (laughs) had something to do with it. But I felt like with the lead committee, we were kind of exploring the various topics that we were thinking about for the program. And this topic kind of stood out to me as something that I had recently experienced personally. And so I felt a little bit drawn to it. I certainly didn't feel like necessarily an expert on it per se from you know, a research standpoint or anything like that. But again, from that personal experience was, was interested. That's cool. Can you share with us your own personal career journey? Sure. So I did my residencies at Yale New Haven Hospital, kind of organically fell into an ICU role there after completing residency and stayed there for a number of years in a clinical role in the medical ICU. And then as supervisor of clinical services, I took on a residency director role, residency program in critical care there for a number of years and and felt quite stable, honestly. I felt like my my career was aligning exactly how I would have envisioned, ideally. The only issue was that I am a Marylander. And so ultimately, I, I really wanted to end up back home, close to family. Family means a lot to me. And that was really like my primary driver for eventually making a job change. And so I had friends and colleagues who were teasing me from early on that, you know, Morja was considering a job change since 2009. And that's probably true because my eyes were always open for that next opportunity. But the ideal role really wasn't available to me until essentially mid-career when I felt like I actually was already very established in my career and so professionally as well as personally and made the, the leap to leave that very stable job and trajectory and pull my husband along with me actually and move back to Maryland to take on my current role. That's pretty cool. I would like to ask you a couple of follow-up questions about this. So it sounds like you knew geographically where you wanted to wind up. It also sounded like you had been extremely successful professionally in New Haven already. So how did you plan or how did you visualize a job change or did it all sort of happen organically? You know, did it just suddenly happen? Did you seek things out? I I just want to know more, basically. I think superficially, it probably looks like it fell together organically. But honestly, in looking into this subject for the LEAD program, I really, I reflected on my own experience and realized that. I was probably more strategic than I gave myself credit for. (laughs) So I had actually, a lot of the things that I talked about at the LEAD program that I really, I diversified my portfolio and made sure that I kind of had some experiences that would lend themselves to potential, you know, job opportunities 
that maybe weren't necessarily this ideal role that I ended up in. So maybe some of that is a little bit of serendipity that that opportunity became available. But I was I was working hard towards establishing that potential job change for a number of years and kind of, you know, fairly aggressively networking and and making sure that I had the connections to the various professional opportunities in Maryland when I was when we were ready as a family, honestly, to make that change. So it was, I think it was years in the making, actually, with a lot of like careful thought behind it. And so even though it felt maybe at the time like, oh, things are just aligning in reflecting back, I think a lot of the things that I did that I worked really hard to do actually helped me get there. I can I can totally see that. It sounds like this is analogous to something that people talk about in sports. You know, there's there's no luck. People create that, right. you know. So my next question for you is this. It sounds like your career transition was somewhat intentional in that you knew you wanted extra skills before you thought about it. Mm-hmm. When you were looking for your next opportunity and when you were gaining new skills, did you have a job or a job description in mind, mm-hmm. or did you diversify with the hopes that something will stick? Yeah. So I guess this exploration phase of trying to figure out what is the ideal job that I would like to have. And when I define that for myself, that was really ideally in academia, which I think to a lot of people in healthcare sounds like, okay, well, academic medical center, you were already there. But it wasn't an academic role from a pharmacy standpoint. So like I was, I didn't have an official appointment at a school of pharmacy, but I really envisioned myself in that kind of role, educating the future of my profession. I really envisioned myself continuing to take care of medical ICU patients. You know, there were definitely other aspects that I would have ideally liked to have in terms of like the job flexibility that maybe I didn't actually have in my in my past role when I was at Yale New Haven and maybe comes with some of that that academic kind of flexibility too. And so I think that I set that vision, but I also kept a broad mindset in terms of there really aren't that many of those opportunities with that exact fit, all of those components that I'm looking for. And so I pursued all kinds of things. I explored, hey, do I like want to pursue a medication safety role? Potentially, I went out of my way to become a high reliability organization trainer because I thought those jobs are growing in the pharmacy world. Maybe that's where I get my in to move back to Maryland, you know, maybe that that's the position. I definitely pushed in terms of the academic role. So I, I made sure that I was attending conferences like SCCM and pharmacy organizational meetings and things like that, that I was publishing. And I even, I moved into an administrative role. As I mentioned, so I became supervisor of clinical services. I mean, part of it, I don't know that that was strategic and thinking that that, that would be my stepping stone to the next job change in my ideal geographic location, but I thought that potentially having that added skill of leadership would potentially open some doors, as well as, of course, it was kind of the natural progression in my own career. And at the same time, I realized that by stepping into a more administrative role that I was almost discouraged from practicing as much as I was. Mm -hmm. And so I really was stepping away from my role in the MICU, and I needed to make sure that if my next job change was a clinical role that I was actually going to go back into more of clinical practice, that I needed to actually maintain those skills. 
And so despite my mentors and my managers telling me, you don't have time for this, I, I made sure that I covered those clinical shifts in the MICU. I even covered the emergency department and our internal medicine pharmacist just to make sure like I had a little bit of those kind of skills too and diversified my portfolio there. Good so for I, you. I, I tried. Yes. No, I'm I'm really impressed by, by that because it sounds like what you were doing was you were maintaining your skills and you were also at the same time refining your vision of what you wanted. Mm-hmm. Like you knew you wanted to continue in a clinical capacity mm-hmm. and you made sure that you retained that. So that's really great. Now that you've made this entire progression and congrats on that, are, are you surprised by anything that happened? I think the thing that surprised me most was that I was very prepared, I think, in this vision of making the job change back to a clinical role, academia, really focused on scholarship and research and the grant funding and all the stuff that comes with that. I actually never thought that I would go back into administration. And so Mm. my next job change really, once I moved, made the geographic move, was to step into my current administrative role as vice chair. I just, I really actually never thought that would be something that I would be interested in. But I think it it is so interesting that the past experiences that you have, you really never know how they're going to lend themselves as being stepping stones for your future steps. And so I, I really think having the supervisor of clinical services role, I didn't realize at the time, would really be the justification for now stepping into this advancement into vice chair within the academia world. Mm-hmm. So kind of separate worlds, but sort of movement in parallel. Yes. It sounds like it totally worked out. Yeah. Well, let's try to broaden this conversation so that we can help the listeners apply it to their yeah. own careers and lives. So, you know, job changes. I, I think in medicine, we oftentimes default to valuing longevity and loyalty and you just keep on plugging away because Mm -hmm. you're a good team player. That's definitely the way I was trained, you know, as a resident. What do you think are some of the biggest taboos about changing career direction? What were some of your own? Did you debunk them? You know, how, how can we share this with the listeners? I've had a lot of really great conversations with colleagues from all over the world at this meeting and There have been a lot of individuals that have had job changes in the last couple of years since we had our last in-person Congress. And I do notice that the conversation around that job change is sort of like almost apologetic. Like, yes, I moved into an industry role as an MSO, or yes, I changed jobs into a more regulatory role as if that's the wrong thing. And I do feel like we need to get away from that. Because the reality is that we have job changes, you know, it's expected that we should have job changes. But I think in medicine, you're right. It's absolutely like almost frowned upon to move around and kind of explore different angles. But I think it's important that we're open to it as a healthcare community, because I think it's healthy and it gets people into the right roles that are a good fit for them. Yes, I totally agree with you. I wanted to ask you about a couple of really interesting slides in your presentation. One was about the trend of the overall number of job departures and the quote-unquote great resignation that happened in 2020 being attributed to COVID. It was already happening. 
Is that really what was going on? So whether COVID happened or not, more people would have left their jobs. Is that true? And how do you explain that for us? I am sure that there are data somewhere proving that it is true, that there was a great resignation, just like everything we're hearing in this conference. You know, there's conflicting data all over the place. But I think it was very interesting to me to see some of the the data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics that there is essentially a linear trend over time with an expected number of people leaving their jobs per year and that there was actually a drop-off in 2020, Interesting. Um, which I think anecdotally I felt that too. We were all kind of waiting. Like we were all like everyone was holding their breath, doing what they were doing or just surviving. <laughs> I didn't hear about a lot of people leaving at that point, right? We were just trying to survive day to day. And you see that in the data. You see the drop off at that point from that normal linear trajectory. And then in 2020, you know, we had vaccines. People were starting to kind of reevaluate. We were feeling like we could survive this pandemic, but we were reevaluating our lives and our missions and our profession. And I think that people did start leaving again. But I think the perception is that people left at a higher rate. And perhaps that's true within certain professions. I mean, I hear about nursing and, you know, certainly we have some shortages. But I think if you look at the overall like workforce data, it actually fell back onto that, that linear trend that we were expecting from year to year. And so it was a pretty abrupt change from 2020 to 21. But it actually, over the course of the eons of time, <laughs> it actually was kind of following that natural progression. Gotcha. I think this period is going to be analyzed ad nauseum for yeah. who knows how long because mm -hmm. all of these things and all have different angles. Us. <laughs> yes. And I think for, for us in healthcare, for sure, there were so many different forces at mm -hmm. work. So it, it will be very interesting to see how anthropologically this yeah. plays out. Um, I wanted to ask you about another slide you had. You made sure that you pointed out to people the distinction between job and mm -hmm. career. And I wanted to get you to elaborate on that mm -hmm. in this podcast. Yeah. Well, I noticed in looking into this subject and reflecting on it and kind of actually looking into literature around this subject, I found that there was a lot of back and forth between those terminologies of career and job. And I saw some inconsistencies. And so like all of us in medicine, <laughs> I wanted to know what is the correct term? Like, how are we using these terms correctly? What is the appropriate semantics for this? And essentially where I, where I landed in my understanding of these terms is that your career is the overarching umbrella of where you are headed in your life professionally. And whereas your job is really in that moment, so what you're doing functionally at that moment in time, um, I like to think of it as like a raindrop. So every job that you have falls out of the sky. <laughs> it's kind of how I felt with my current job. It may or may not overlap, you know, to some degree with your overall career trajectory, may or may not hit your umbrella, but to some degree, it's going to impact the skills that you have, your perspectives overall for the length of your career, but to varying degrees. And so the, the analogy I used for the presentation was that I think my overall career is really being a pharmacist in some capacity. And so if I were to make a career change, that would be something like moving from being a pharmacist to being a rock star, which I certainly cannot be because I have a horrible voice, but <laughs> it 
despite all of my good intentions, but that would be a career change, a major change, probably would not contribute to my overall you know, career trajectory as a pharmacist if, if I jumped into a role as a rock star. But changing jobs, so my, what I did was moving from you know, a pharmacist who worked in an academic medical center in an administrative role into a pharmacist working in an academic medical center in an academic role. That is a job change to me. Yes. And thank you for that. And I feel like that's a really important thing for all of us to keep in mind. I mean, my own bias in interpreting what you're saying is that for, for me, for sure, the career is more worth evaluating than a particular job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, I do think just as we were um, discussing earlier that we do have a tendency to equate the two and to think this is the job and I need to be in this job. Forever. Yes, <laughs> like ad infinitum. And maybe that's not the way it has to mm -hmm. be. But I mean, I think we're all different. So, you know, you need to define, not you, but one needs to define what one's goals are. Is it to get a really awesome job or is it to develop a very satisfying career arc? And maybe those two things are not similar. Mm -hmm. But what do you think? And where you are in your life personally as well. And modifying, you know, kind of adapting where you choose to spend your time as far as a job based on your personal life as well. I mean, for me, I knew that my husband and I had one child. We're hoping to grow our family we're basically struggling to <laughs> maintain a balanced personal life with no family near us. And so it was an important factor. And it was probably the most important factor in making that decision about the job change. Not a career change, you know, but just just a job change in that moment in time. Yeah. It was right for me, for my family, and, you know, where I was at that moment. Yes. Yeah. And the career is really what matters mm -hmm. over the long run. Yeah. And, and your work-life balance. It's This is such a great discussion. This is actually a really good segue into one of the other questions I wanted to ask you, which is for people who are thinking about perhaps changing jobs, no matter how much anxiety that produces, is there a particularly good time in one's professional life to do that and why? I feel like this question is like, what should your second presser be in sepsis? <laughs> no, and that's a very nerdy answer. But I don't think that there's a right or wrong answer to that. I don't think we have enough information to be able to answer that question right now. I love right it. Now. I love it. Um, so, and I think it's very, it's very patient specific, you know, professional specific, what that ideal timing is. You know, as I said, my colleagues were joking around with me that I was looking for a job since 2009, which is true, but I don't know that I was in the right place with everything else in order to actually make that job change. And mm -hmm. for whatever reason, the stars aligned and it, and it all worked out. But I think it's very individual specific and there's no clear algorithmic approach to it or no black and white, you know, this is the ideal time. I will say that most people, you know, the average age for a job change is actually age 39. Oh. So so mid-career is when most people make their job change. However, if you look at the prevalence of job change over our age ranges, it actually is, it tends to be on the younger side that in our younger years, we tend to jump around a little bit more as we're exploring different opportunities, but still the average age actually is 39. So I don't know. I haven't myself looked into you know all of the scientific reasons for that necessarily. But I think that is definitely that mid 
career time is definitely a time in our careers where we're, we're reflecting on our trajectory and it's kind of that fork in the road. And it's like, okay, am I happy with where things are going in this current place? Or are there factors that are maybe pushing me to go in a different direction? And that may be personal factors like it was for me, or it may be professional factors. This job is not satisfying or, you know, there are limitations with the job itself that actually make me want to make that change. Thank you. I think that is a really nice way to answer that question. And I, I totally see your point, which is that there is no formula it's not cookie cutter. There's nothing to follow. Mm -hmm. And that's important for people to remember, mm -hmm. really. What is your list of do's and don'ts when looking for a new job opportunity? Especially what are the don'ts? So I would say the number one don't to start with the negative is, is quitting the wrong way. So I looked into some of the literature and what's been published on the science behind quitting. And it was really fascinating. And I will tell you, when I printed out those articles, my department chair was probably not very happy seeing me printing all of these job quitting, you know, articles. I'm sure that got her brain running about where I was headed. But I think it's really important to be transparent and fairly honest with your employer. And hopefully people have a good enough relationship with their employer that they can have those conversations, which I think is a separate issue maybe if they don't. But it's very important to be honest about what went into your exploration phase and what are the reasons why you were maybe seeking this job change. A lot of times, if you're transparent about those things and it's something actually related to the job itself, you know, a good employer potentially would be able to modify your role or uh, responsibilities in order to meet the needs. And maybe you don't need to make that job change. At the same time, if the plan, you know, for me, it was a personal reason to leave. And so just being very transparent about this is what I'm seeking and it's the best thing for me and my family. The employer can actually be, and you know, your mentors can be very helpful in that transition and potentially seeking the opportunities that are there to make that next step. They become your allies. Absolutely. Yes. The other thing I thought was interesting that was a, I guess a do and a don't was obviously make sure to give enough time, whatever your employer requires as far as the time before you leave. So your number of weeks or whatever, but at the same time, you don't want to give too much time. Oh, and I thought that was really interesting because I actually did give a lot of time, <laughs> perhaps because I was so transparent about my, my goals for this, but there's a thought that if you give too much advance notice that you're planning to leave, that things start getting stagnant and the dynamic starts to change. Mm. I thought that was a really interesting perspective that I really yeah. hadn't thought about myself. That is interesting. You know, I wanted to also ask you how to not burn bridges when um, departing a job, but I almost think you just answered that. Mm -hmm. I think you were going to tell us that it's important to be transparent. Yeah. Yes? Absolutely. And you never know how those ties are going to benefit you in the future. Obviously, that comes from like a, a genuine perspective. I, I think I'm not trying to always be strategic with everything. And of course, you want to maintain those ties, just like we want to have those relationships, those friendships in the long term. But actually thinking about it strategically from a career development standpoint, I think it's very important to maintain those ties with your previous employer, you just, you never know how that network is going to help you with your future career steps. Just like you, you couldn't maybe anticipate this current job change. 
you're not going to be able to anticipate what that next job change is either. And so you just never know as you're growing that network and maintaining that network, it could help you in the future. I love that. I, I knew this was going to happen. The time has flown by. It's time for us to wrap this up. But I wanted to ask you if there were any other points that you really wanted to get across to our listeners. Gosh, I think, I guess the take home that I, I think, honestly, just having all of these conversations with colleagues at this meeting is that people shouldn't feel bad. Back to the taboo question. I don't think people should feel bad about exploring opportunities because ultimately you have to do what's right for you. And in a way, if you explore the other opportunities for the job change, you're at that fork in the road and you're looking into all of these various roles. Maybe you're even building that portfolio. But if you go back and you're reflecting on all this and you decide you actually don't want to make the job change, you've actually solidified kind of your, your happiness and your security in your current role. So I think it's a healthy thing to think about job change. So I, I hope that as a medical field that we really can shift that mindset from, you know, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't have to be that like when you're fed up or something is when you're thinking about making the job change. It should be something that we should, we're actually always kind of thinking about and strategizing and building those networks and, you know, building our portfolio because I think it's the healthy thing to do actually. I love that. I think that's a really nice way to frame this. I think on that note, we will uh, conclude this edition of the Society of Critical Care Medicine podcast. For the entire podcast team, we would like to thank Professor Hefner for spending the time with us. And thank you for listening. I'm Dr. Ludwig Lin. Ludwig H. Lin, MD, is an intensivist and anesthesiologist at Sutter Hospitals in the Bay Area of Northern California and is a consulting professor at Stanford University School of Medicine where he teaches a seminar on the psychosocial and economic ramifications of critical illness. This podcast was recorded during the Society of Critical Care Medicine's 2023 Critical Care Congress. Access essential education online through Congress Digital. More than 120 sessions are available on an easy-to-use platform. Continuing education credit is also available. Some SCCM members receive complimentary access to Congress Digital. To learn more, visit sccm.org slash congressdigital. Join or renew your membership with SCCM, the only multi-professional society dedicated exclusively to the advancement of critical care. Contact a customer service representative at 847-827-6888 or visit sccm.org membership for more information. The SCCM podcast is the copyrighted material of the Society of Critical Care Medicine and all rights are reserved. Find more episodes at sccm.org slash podcast. This podcast is for educational purposes only. The material presented is intended to represent an approach, view, statement, or opinion of the presenter that may be helpful to others. The views and opinions expressed herein are those of the presenters and do not necessarily reflect the opinions or views of SCCM. SCCM does not recommend or endorse any specific test, physician, product, procedure, opinion, or other information that may be mentioned.